Number one, it's a culture issue. Number two, this push. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. For diversity being our superpower is, is absolutely insane because at the end of the day, you're right, being in gunfights, you don't care what color the person is to the left mm -hmm. or right of you. We all wear green, we all bleed red, and we all have a purpose. And I think for us, in our generation, uh, we joined in the 90s and it, it, everybody was there for that one reason. Everybody was there for the selfless service. We had a purpose to do what we do. Now, it, it, everybody's, they're more concerned with their feelings. They're more concerned with how, how it feels for them, the, the lack of comfort that they might experience, the um, need to be affirmed, the need to be accepted, the need to be uh, seen as a certain thing in a certain way clouds people's ability to even understand what sacrifice and selfless service even really looks or even feels like. And I think that's the biggest problem. Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We've got a special guest today, podcast host, author, and U.S. Army veteran, Wiley, like the Coyote McGraw. How you doing? Doing well, brother. How about you? Great. Uh, what'd you do in the Good. Army? Uh, light infantry, mortars. 11 Charlie was the MOS with mm. the 101st Airborne Division. Yeah, Rockasons. Chucklehead, huh? So a uh, couple <laughs> things on that. One, you guys aren't airborne, just to be clear. I was in the 82nd, so uh, you can stow that shit. Uh, no. I, I, I did want to go to air assault school, though, but I heard it yeah. kind of sucks. Like you just get the shit smoked out of you in mop gear for a couple of days, and then they finally yeah, they, teach you how to jump. Yeah, right. Yeah, rip you apart day zero, and then they smoke you for a little while, first couple of days, packing list stuff, road marches, and then they educate you. But uh, they call it the 10 hardest days in the Army, which makes us laugh. Yeah, well, I mean, Airborne School is 21, and it's it could, right. you could do it in three days, to be honest. I don't know why the fuck they, <laughs> I mean, it's whatever. Oh, it, it's it's yeah. like gravity does the vast majority of the work in both, right. in both cases. Um, right. Anyways, unless you're a jump master, you don't really have to pay that much attention. So, uh, what, what years were you in? 98 to 03. <clears throat> um, and what made you, I guess, decide to join in the nineties? Cause it was kind of, I guess Kosovo was popping off then, but aside from that, we were, yeah. it was mostly just bombing Iraq right here and there. <laughs> right. Um, well, every man in my family has been in the military since mm -hmm. world war two. So I think it was a typical time honored tradition for us to serve serve our country, figuring out where we wanted to go when we graduated high school. And I think it's come down to the fact that, you know, my uncle was Mac B. Sog in Vietnam. We had a lot of conversations with him. My grandfathers, both of them were D-Day uh, during World War II. Uh, my dad was a medic during Vietnam in the Navy. So it just became a thing where as we got older, we started to get into more of the military kind of mindset. My middle brother and I did a junior Marine Corps program when we were in high school and we fell in love with the idea of serving. So he decided, hey, I'm going to go go to the Navy. And I, I went to the Army and of course, uh, it's like he couldn't, they wouldn't take him for buds because he had some knee surgeries done uh, as an athlete. So he went to the Rangers and ended up serving uh, first and 75th. And I went to the 101st. Um, but the reality was it was just uh, something we desired to do. So we just made the decision to do it. And what was that like being in uh, the late 90s and then, you know, 9 11 <laughs> happens and you're in an infantry unit. So you know you're going to war. Right. 
Well, I think that's when I got to Fort Campbell in 98 uh, as an 11 Charlie Mortarman, um, just jumped in full, full throttle to learn the job, uh, to get as, as skilled as possible, just in case things like that would or, or could pop off. Uh, knowing the history of how things are cyclical with our country and going to war, it seems like every 15, 20 years, we might have a conflict we have to engage in. So just staying focused during the 90s, 98, 99 training. Um, and then Kosovo, actually, I volunteered. I, I went from battalion orders to a, a line 60 section by volunteer to go to Kosovo with another battalion of Rakasans. And that's where we went in there in 2000, February to September of 2000 after 1999, Clinton doing that 78-day bombing campaign. We went in there to do the, I use air quotes, peacekeeping humanitarian aid, but of course there were different operations that we partook in, things like uh, uh, making sure that there weren't other uh, situations popping off in country outside of the humanitarian aid aspect. So I was in Kosovo, my first deployment. Came home, uh, re-enlisted, uh, did my EIB, got my EIB, and then of course we went to train again and September 11th happened and we knew uh, right away that we were getting deployed. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... <clears throat> Uh, it's interesting how the buildup worked there. By the way, speaking of Kosovo, we're we're going to be over there again pretty soon. I don't know if you're tracking on that, but I just yeah, I read something yesterday about that. Yeah, it's yeah. starting to pop off again. Serbs, are, yeah, so the Bosnian Serb Kosovo area is just it, it's like it's like white Israel, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's full circle. It seems yeah. <laughs> that's what it feels like. Yeah. Um. So you were in until <clears throat> 2003. What? Why'd you get out? Uh, try to keep it short. I, uh, when I joined the army, I actually joined, uh, delayed entry in high school, did reserves, active reserves, uh, until I could graduate. When I went active duty, I got 11 x-ray airborne in my contract. I wanted to go to airborne school so that I can slide over to rip because mm -hmm. I wanted to get into range regiment. That was my ultimate focus. And my brother ended up going down there and I wanted to go serve with him. Um, but they took away, I think nine of us ended up losing our airborne slots to West Point cadets right after we turned blue. Uh, which has become an infantryman, as you know. And uh, we're like, screw it. We got orders or a duty station. I figured, you know what? I'm going to go prove myself. And then when the time comes, I'll ask for airborne again. I'll just, you know, I'll go to air assault school. I'll get all those different uh, things done. And when I re-enlisted, they said they couldn't get me airborne school. So I did it anyway. And I thought, okay, that's the second time the army, the big, big army has decided to not give me one little simple thing that I wanted. Uh, and then when we went to Iraq for my third deployment, middle of Iraq, my first sergeant company commander, I was a uh, corporal squad leader in 60 section. They said, hey, you're up for re-enlistment. What do you want? And I told him, I said, look, it's simple. I want airborne school. I want to go to ranger school. And uh, I want to make sure that I can get you know my packet in to get to ranger battalion. And they came back and told me, well, we can probably get you that, but you have to enlist for another six years, which was a very heavy ask, uh, especially in the middle of a, a year-long combat rotation. So I kind of didn't take the Army's word seriously, and I felt a little pulled in different directions, and I realized that if there's a chance that I might re-enlist for six years and get home, and they might screw me again. So uh, at the end of the day, I just decided to get out. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, you know, they say get everything in writing, but it sounds like you did, and you still got fucked by them. So. I did. Like uh, nine of us got had our airborne contracts <laughs> in writing, and they said, hey, sorry, we got to push West Point cadets through to get their training, get them off to their units, so you guys are going to have to sacrifice your slot. So it was, it was kind of a, you know, kick in the nuts. Yeah, it's weird because uh, kind of a contract is like supposed to mean Binding. something yeah. specific. But, you know, it wasn't the first time or last time that the U.S. government pulled some shit like that. I mean, the stop loss <laughs> stuff began, uh, what, two and a half or three years after you uh, got out. So, yeah, it's kind of weird. And now I, I was talking to some people about it this morning, actually, about mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the Army brass, the Pentagon – 
um, mm-hmm. and the federal government in general, the, the administration, think that we have a recruiting crisis. And that's not true. We don't have a recruiting crisis. We have uh, a crisis of conscious, I think, is what's really happening. Like, Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I would agree with that. If you if there were no uh, there was no crisis of recruiting in World War Two, right? Um, no, the vast majority of people like there was a draft, certainly, but the vast majority of people uh, who they would get drafted and they would go sign up with the branch of their choice. Or uh, if you were a Marine, you went and signed up to be a Marine. There weren't a whole lot of Marines drafted. Um, right. There, there were right. there were some, obviously, <clears throat> there's always going to be some. But uh, at any rate, yeah, we don't have a crisis. We don't have a recruiting crisis. It, it's like the value proposition for joining the military is in, in trouble now because. Right. Um, I, I, I was talking to Jared Taylor about it this morning from Black Rifle, and he made a really good point. He was like, the legacy recruits that you usually get, that is to say second, third, fourth generation people serving in the military, like uh, he, he's got a daughter who's 18 now, and he has instructed her specifically to not join the military, and I would do the same if I had a child that age, male or female. There's no fucking way I would have them sign up to participate in this bullshit. Um. And that is a very large part of your force, right? And it's people that right. it's a really important part of the force too, because it's people who, to some degree or another, have been preparing for it for a very long time. You know, even before they really decided to be in the military, they were preparing for it just by being around somebody who had served in the military. And then, absolutely, you know, you tack onto that the cultural experience of it, right? But forget about the the forget about the specific training or specific awareness of what happens there, but understanding the attitude behind, you know, selfless service sacrifice, being gone all the time, how to manage that situation and keep a family together and shit like that. Uh, it's a, those, all of those things are impediments, I guess, or, or hurdles that people see before joining the military. And then once they get in that dissuade them from joining. And now there's no, there's no remedy for that. Right. Cause we don't have an experienced group of people to guide others to like their peers, to guide their peers through this stuff. So it's, it's going to continue to get worse. And people ask me all the time from the, from the Pentagon and other places in government, like, Oh, how do we fix this recruiting crisis? I'm like, it, you, you stop with all the fucking woke horse shit first. That's right? yeah, Thank you. That's uh, where we have to start first. Yep. Get, get rid of DEI. Stop that. Like the new, <laughs> <clears throat> the new joint chief, the first public speaking engagement he did, aside from just his uh, taking command, was about how we need to get more black people in leadership positions in the military. Why? Why? I mean, like, certainly if black people are qualified to be in those positions, put them in there. But I've been in gunfights, a lot of them, and I've never once looked to my right and left to be like, you know what we need is more black people or more yeah, Mexican we- people or more women. No, we need more fucking gunfighters, goddammit. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's just... That shit's not going to stop. Like, we, we just put a guy in who is solely, like he said, his most important goal uh, in the same way that, that Millie and Lloyd Austin before said that uh, white supremacy and fucking uh, uh, COVID or, or climate change or whatever is the most important thing. No, the most important thing is protecting America, right? Yeah. And if that's not your goal, yeah. then you are my enemy, frankly, especially if you're in a position of power. Because in the Constitution, I believe it says all enemies, foreign and domestic, both, yeah, not just one, not one or the other. And that's yeah, that's the that's a very good point. Is number one, it's a culture issue. Number two, 
this push for diversity being our superpower is is absolutely insane because at the end of the day you're right being in gunfights you don't care what color the person is to the left mm-hmm. or right of you we all wear green we all bleed red and we all have a purpose and i think for us in our generation uh we joined in the 90s and it, it everybody was there for that one reason everybody was there for the selfless service we had a purpose to do what we do now it, it, everybody's they're more concerned with their feelings they're more concerned with how, how it feels for them, the, the lack of comfort that they might experience, the um, need to be affirmed, the need to be accepted, the need to be uh, seen as a certain thing in a certain way, clouds people's ability to even understand what sacrifice and selfless service even really looks or even feels like. And I think that's the biggest problem. It's not a, a recruitment crisis. That's just a byproduct of, like you said, of the culture shock and, and, and system failures that we've got going on. And I've talked to a lot of, a lot of guys at our age and our era they're just watching these Gen Zers that just absolutely hate and despise the idea of serving the military. They hate the United States. They hate what the United States stands for. And all comes back to the fact that it's because of what is being pushed, this woke agenda, this cancel culture. Everybody's feelings matter more than anything else. And that's what's weakening us and causing us to have these problems to begin with. Yeah, all this diversity shit is uh, like it, it, is, it is an attempt, uh, whether intentional or not, to recruit people that have no vested interest in the country. You know what I mean? Like uh, right. uh, if you ask one of these folks that they're targeting, one of these people who are consumed by, uh, you know, CRT, DEI, all this stupid bullshit, um, they don't they don't have like if you ask them what it means to be an American, you're not going to get the kind of answer that you want from somebody that's going to fucking put body armor on and take carry a gun into fucking combat on behalf of the country. You're going to you're going to get people who say me first. Right. Selfish. Me yep. first. But fuck that. It cannot work that way. Like if a cell in your body prioritizes itself over the group, then you get cancer. That's what cancer is. Literally, it is a breakdown of cellular structure. And we depend on each other in the same way at the the very smallest level and at the very largest level uh, with gravity and, and how it holds galaxies together like get no point, that's that yeah no exactly point, and, no and any stuff that i was not the case talking about that too is that we're in the military everybody's bought into the same purpose the same mission focused straight ahead together and we care more about the guy to the left and right of us than ourselves and which is what makes the military at the time operate so effectively then when we get out of the military everything is about me 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 selfishness so it's hard for us to integrate back into this world where uh, I, I'm willing to sacrifice comforts. I'm willing to sacrifice short-term gain, uh, that immediate gratification for a long-term goal. And other people around us in the civilian world are not willing to do that. It is a very selfish world we live in. Yeah. Not only does it affect, um, not only does it affect the readiness of the military to be able to defend the country against existential threats, but as you rightly point out, once you get out you know, you kind of shrink back into your own little world. You 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 lose touch with uh, your the most important thing, which is your purpose, right? You you lose touch with your purpose. Now we've developed this almost instinctual proclivity in the West now to medicate people, but there's no medicine that can heal man's soul. It doesn't exist. Our kids are bored in school, so we give them a pill to dull their fucking instincts really is what happens uh we're unhappy so we take a pill instead of fixing what's wrong in our lives we're fat so right. we inject some right. shit into our body instead of changing our diet and exercise um, but these aren't cures frankly they're not even treatments um they're futile attempts to appease what ails us right just right. just completely ineffective and as churchill said 
appeasement is feeding the crocodile hoping he eats you last it is a fucking <laughs> it's a it's a lose situation on a longer scale that's all it is all you're doing is yep. losing slower than you would have prior now similarly we treat broken souls with pills i'm sure you experienced this with the va when you got out when you're out process with, mm -hmm. with therapy with coddling but the solution is what it has always been especially for men if you want to find yourself, you lose yourself in the service of others. That's why we were so great together in those combat situations. It's why right. we, it's why we were able to withstand so much internal and external pressure in a very chaotic situation. And so when your brother's hurting uh, and isolated, you sit with him and you let him know he's not alone. And then you remind him that people are fucking counting on him, right? People are counting 100%. on you. You remind him that he can't do this without, that we can't do this without his help and he can't do it without ours. And you give him a fucking job to do. That is how you solve this problem. And it's the same way we've always solved it, right? It's the same. And, and frankly, it's not too unlike uh, the, the later stage progression of a rape counselor where you return the power back to that person because they feel like they're, they're, sanctity has been removed from their, their power over themselves that's been violated it's the most basic human right the 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 right to self-preservation the right to your own thoughts and your own body that is the most basic human right and that has been taken away from them so how do you give it back to them you know what i mean you don't give it back to them by saying oh it's going to be okay no you give them a fucking job to do like hey you know what that sucked that, that happened to you and now you have a choice of going out into the world and becoming a better person than the fucking person that fucked with you and then helping stop other people from getting fucked with. That's how you solve that problem, right? Um, so you do this and not only will you watch this person start to heal and find purpose, but you'll watch the world heal. And more importantly, you'll watch the world become stronger, more resilient to the evil that fucking plagues us right now. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You could either you can either drag your demons around with you and limit your abilities, or you can actually face them head on, and you can fight them, and you can fight them together with other people that exactly know exactly what it is you're going through and have been there themselves. And that's I think that's the key that's missing in our world right now is people are afraid to turn inward and look at the demons that plague them, and they're allowing. You went back to you said, Danny, is we're creating a culture that accepts the dysfunctions as normality, the same thing with obesity, the same thing with being shamed. Everything is now uh, body positivity and emotional positivity and aff affirmations and things like that. And nobody's being challenged or stretched to face themselves. And everyone's just dragging their demons around, wondering externally why nothing's working in their yeah. lives and then blaming everybody else but themselves for what's really going on. And that's, I, I, and we have resources, coaches, we have therapies, all that, it's almost like they they allow that to to fester and be the norm instead of challenging it and stepping up. I mean, look at us as men. The best way for us to to really step up is have someone get in our face and put us through the shit. That's mm -hmm. how why we were successful in the military being yeah. combat arms. Is someone asked me the other day is how were, how were you guys able to be so calm in the chaos when the the bullets started flying? And it's like you know what, that's what training's all about. That's what it's all about to get, have someone in your face. And I, I saw a video with this uh, Marine veteran, Jameson's Travels, I think on YouTube. And he talked about how the standards are changing in boot camp. The shark attacks are being taken away. Uh, people are getting stress cards. They're allowed to make phone calls throughout the time there. And that. that's not gonna stimulate people's ability to handle chaos mm. when the bullets start flying. And that's the thing that's starting to deteriorate uh, people's ability to actually experience life fulfilly and actually know what it means to face their demons and become better. Uh, so they just succumb to uh, the, the pain and the suffering and think that it's normal. And then they sweep it under the rug and hope that people just allow them to exist that way. Yeah. Well, your brain is yeah. far better at being a brain than you are at thinking, right? 
So we, we think that we're going to outsmart nature all the time. We think we're going to outsmart our own mind. That's fucking dumb. And right now we're in this situation where we're sitting around with a bunch of dull knives, constantly telling each other how sharp our knives are. This episode is brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash drink it bros. Ghostbed. It's the best bed in the world. It's the most comfortable sheets, pillows, the whole thing. I've got them all, man. And, you know, they wanted to extend their best possible offer to Drink It Bros. They've been with us for a very long time. So this is the email they sent us. We want Drink It Bros to get the best offer. So I updated the code for 50% site-wide. That's 50% site-wide. Use the code Drinkin' Bros. Drinkin' Bros with no G. For 50% off site-wide, everything that you buy on this site is going to be 50% off. Again, they get the best pillows, sheets, mattresses. They get the mattress protector. Uh, if you're if you're sloppy and spill things and you don't want to jack up your mattress, they have pretty much everything you need. They've got weighted blankets now. They've got the adjustable base, which we really like. I've got one in my home. So go to ghostbed.com forward slash drink it bros. Use the code drink it bros for 50% off site wide. And don't forget about their page go plan if you're with approved credit. You're going to be able to pay this thing off over the course of three to five years for 25 to 35 bucks a month. It's nothing. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash drink bros today and use the code drink bros for 50% off. This episode is also brought to you by blackriflecoffee.com. The best coffee in the world. As a matter of fact, they won both the gold and bronze medal at the Golden Bean Awards this year for their exclusive coffee club entries in the elite category. So the best coffee on earth literally was Circus Bear by Black Rifle, one of their ECS. So I recommend that you go sign up for the Black Rifle Coffee Club. Use the code CITIZEN. You're going to get those points off. And, uh, you know, you get all the benefits from being in the coffee club. You get the free shipping. You get access to all the partner deals. Uh, uh, you get access to the exclusive coffee club. You get access to any new products that come out before anybody else does. You know, it's a very large club that they have over there. And the coffees are premium. Every single one of them is good. Uh, you, you're going to get experience for you. You can do just the plain coffee club. And if you want your two bags of, of uh, espresso or your two bags of silence or smooth or whatever it is you drink, you can get those two bags or one bag or whatever you want every month or and or rather you can use the ECS, the exclusive coffee club and get access to some of the most premium coffees on the planet and kind of learn what it is that you like. You know what I mean? So then you can order those premium coffees from Black Rifle as well. So, and we all know they got the best branding, the best merch, and they're buddies. You know, we're all friends here. Uh, we love Black Rifle. So go to blackriflecoffee.com, sign up for the coffee club, or buy something. Do whatever you want. Um, use the code CITIZEN. You're going to get those points off. We know the knife needs to be sharp. We know that for a fact. So right. instead of actually doing the fucking thing, we just say the thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and, and those effects are precipitously more dangerous as time goes on because there are less and less actually prepared people but then there are delusional people who think they're prepared which is far more dangerous that's like a guy who watched yeah. a steven seagal movie and now he's going to go try to fight three dudes in a fucking parking <laughs> lot you're about to get your yeah. ass handed to you my yeah. friend and right now we're getting our ass handed to us by life um uh uh it, it we and we got to find a boogeyman oh fucking russia it's russia it's china it's this no it's us we caused this fucking problem it is on all of us it is on all of us so parents in the early 1900s they said i'm gonna make a better life for my kids 
parents and the and the great greatest generation in the 1950s they said we're going to make a better life for our kids baby boomers said fuck them kids why are you whining so much why why are you so needy why do you need so much i'm trying to live my life i'm trying to have fun i'm trying to go on vacation who the fuck yeah. do you think you are that you that your service stopped once you fucking came you know what i mean mm -hmm. like you you right. get somebody pregnant and that's it i guess we got to keep this baby alive for 18 years and then they can fuck off like no man th this is your prime responsibility Choice. on yep. life and you get to yep. choose how you decide how, how you deal with it and then you're going to live with the consequences of those choices and that's what we're doing we're, we're living with those consequences right now i think people are afraid too though of they want their rights it's it's i hear that constantly my rights my right my right but they don't want to accept the the accountability and the consequences that come with having freedoms and having rights and freedom is truly the most expensive thing we own even if we didn't pay for it and i think people out there in the world believe they have the right to do whatever they want to do but they do not have to accept whatever consequences might come with that ability to do what they're doing and that's why i think we're losing track as well as people are they say you know what i don't care about what happens to you when i'm executing my quote right uh, they, they could give a fuck about it. Mm. At the end of the day, it's like, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. I don't care if it causes problems instead of actually having some, some decency and some class to look at and go, okay, I may have the right to do this, but is this the right time to do it? And is this appropriate for the people that are around me, depending on me? Uh, is it necessary for me to execute on this right now? Should I delay what it is that I'm looking to accomplish here or what it is that I want to feel in this moment? Nobody wants to do that now. It's just give it to me when I want it, how I want it. And we have a generation of people that have zero ability to sacrifice and they are, you're right, unprepared, but they're going to walk around with a t-shirt that says, uh, you know, I am the lion, not the yeah, sheep. Yeah. They're the ones walking around acting like uh, they're the survival experts because they read a couple books from, you know, Mike Glover or some other people like that. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's I like, get it. there's a big disconnect between effort and outcome is because of that thing. We, we, we gave our kids pills to calm them down instead of fucking teaching them discipline. Right. That was a mistake. And it was a huge one. We, we gave them iPads instead of attention, which is right. a fucking huge mistake. We gave them French fries instead of good food instead of steak right. or some other kind of good food. And now we're living with the consequences of that. Like I, I, if I hear one more motherfucker, especially a boomer, but even my, even the millennial generation whining about Gen Z and how they turned out, it's like, dude, you, you, you just fucking set your house on fire and you're complaining about the heat. You know what I mean? Like you're completely right. full of shit. This right. is, but, but the good news, I don't want it to all be doom and gloom. The good news is not only is this reversible, it's reversible by you specifically. Like each one of you that can hear the sound of my voice, you can stop this shit, right? Mm -hmm. Not all of it. And not, no one person can stop all of it, but it is about culture and it's about setting and holding a standard. Like the standard is you walk through a door you look behind you and see if somebody else is coming and you hold the fucking door for them, right? Amen. The end. I mean, that's a, that's a, yep. maybe a, 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 a simplistic uh, metaphor, but that, that is the least you can do for people. You see some garbage on the ground, you pick it up, you know, and then in your personal life, take the stairs, find, find the, find the time to challenge yourself on a regular basis. Right. Are, these are all very simple things. It's not like you have to fucking split the atom to make any of this shit work correctly. <laughs> <laughs> All you have to do is reduce your daily behavior. And I mean this. Redu take, like, s spend some time. G open up your, uh, uh, your notebook someday and write down or type every single thing you do in a day. And then think about, well, what could I have done in each one of these situations that would have benefited society in some way? That's one of the principles of this show. Uh, I'll, every day I will find I'll <clears throat> do something to help my country. My countrymen are all men, right? Be on the lookout for opportunities to do that. 
because right. that used to just be the <clears> standard. So a new family moves into your neighborhood, you bring them food, or you go help them move their shit in. That was it. Like, there's no, there's no debate about that. It wasn't, and it wasn't something that you went out. You didn't get a fucking award for it. That was the standard. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Standard, right? That's the game. Standard, and I think that's the other part that we don't have standard bearers. I mean, there are standard bearers out there. Obviously, we're having this conversation because we give a shit about the standards. We give a shit about sacrifice and, and selfless service and little things like holding the door open for the person behind you is situational awareness, spatial awareness, and it's courtesy. And I think if we get back to those simple things, it's just like, I forgot what was McRaven, uh, Admiral McRaven talking about making your bed first thing in the morning. And people wonder why we do that in the military. It's because it's, it's a discipline of a standard that sets the tone for the rest of the day. And it gives you an accomplishment on the simplest of levels where then it, it pushes you to strive to go, okay, what else can I accomplish today that's a little harder? And I think people are trying to jump too far ahead. They say, you know what, I'm undisciplined, so I'm gonna go do some Navy SEAL boot camp thing from this place that I'm at, rather than realizing maybe just spend the day doing other things besides distraction on video games on your phone with screen time, uh, uh, you know, getting high, drinking alcohol constantly, playing video games, and then maybe accomplishing some random task and thinking that you've got things done, that's not going to move the needle for you. But I think people need to get back to standards and actually give a crap about holding a standard for not only themselves, but then at the same time, holding the standard for other people. And the biggest part I I see every single day is the fact that people are truly afraid to hold others to a standard Mm -hmm. because people's reaction to you when you hold them accountable or you try to discipline them when they're basically fucking up in society is to react to you and try to fight you rather than acknowledging, okay, maybe I did make a mistake and that person's just saw that and is trying to hold me accountable to it. We don't have that anymore. If you tell someone, pick up your cigarette butt, and instead of just going, oh, my bad, and picking it up, they turn around and they're going to start throwing slurs at you and swallowing up as if they're some peacock because they watched some TV show that made them feel you know gung-ho instead of just going, you know what, I shouldn't throw my cigarette butt on the ground in the first place. Or maybe I should put that trash in the receptacle. Or maybe I should actually have some decency or some class with how I operate in society because it's not just about me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. when you, the other part of that is when you hold someone accountable, uh, you better sure should be willing to accept that from them as well. And from others. Sure. Yeah. You, know, you got to lead sure. by example. It's like, um, you know, the Bible says this, uh, not that yep. everybody that, that listens is a believer or anything, but you know, you get the, get the plank out of your own eye. You know what I mean? We, mm-hmm. we don't, we don't, we don't sit in judgment of other people. Um, we like the judgment that we use is designed to be a positive impact on their life, not to dunk on them and not to make right. ourselves feel better. You know what I mean? Right. Like we, right. Th- this is a, this it, is a huge it, issue. It's tact. I mean, Dan, it's tact. It's a, it's one way to yell and scream and say, Hey, don't do that rather than walking up and pulling them aside or say, Hey, you know what? Would you pick that up, put that in the trash, man? I mean, it's, it'd be better for us to, it, it's the way in which people approach situations of stress uh, that make the difference in the outcome of that situation. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, to your other point about no, having no standard bears, we're in love with celebrities and politicians these days. You know what I mean? Um, and not, one of, not one of those motherfuckers knows the first thing about selflessness. Like they, no. they it is me, me, me all the time. Right. Every yep. now and again, you'll find a wild card. Somebody that actually cares about other people. <laughs> um, but it is extremely rare that you'll find someone like that. in in either one of those avenues and, it's a problem, man. I mean, our, our famous people used to be our, our artists, like our, our writers, our scientists, um, our poets, uh, things like that, um, and our philosophers. But now it's just some dickhead that can, you know, read somebody else's words 
on a screen or something or somebody who, you know, gets into public service with the clear yeah. intent to, to, you know, manufacture a career for themselves and then become right. insanely wealthy on a very small salary. Right. I mean, it makes no sense. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, it does make sense because well, it does, but it, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, don't be surprised when hungry people show up to the grocery store and don't be surprised when greedy motherfuckers and power hungry motherfuckers show up into politics. Cause that, that is exactly what's going to happen. Sure. It's, it, it is absolutely asinine, but it, it comes back to the fact that you're right. People used to look up to our, celebrities, our politicians, people that were in the front were supposed to be the ones that help pull us through and, and create standards and hold people to those standards. But now it really is how much money does someone make? How popular popular are they and how much influence do they have? And that that is right there. That is far as people want to go when it comes to respecting and thinking that they are the epitome of success, that we should accept Maybe their poor behavior, because look, he's a billionaire. You know, look at the cool things that he's doing. Look at the cool things she's doing. Who cares if over here they're doing X, Y, Z? They have the money and the notoriety. Who are you to challenge that? You don't have that. And we hear that constantly across social media is if you don't have enough followers, if you don't have enough uh, of a bank account, your word, your opinion, nothing matters with what you say. And I think that's the other part of the problem, too, is this adulation of the, the people that should not be receiving it is causing bigger issues. And especially, I think, you know, some of your stuff I, I watch on Twitter as well. And it's the administration is gaslighting the hell out of people that everything is great. And I just paid $7 a gallon for gasoline here in California. So at the end of the day, it blows my mind that these leaders are trying to tell us what's going on when we can clearly see with our own two eyes that it's not exactly what they're saying it is. Mm -hmm. This episode is brought to you by firstform.com forward slash citizen. Free shipping on all orders over $75 when you use the link. And you're not going to spend less than 75 bucks. I mean, they get the best products in the world, especially the OptiGreens. You know me. I don't eat vegetables um, because they're fucking pointless. So I supplement with OptiGreens 50 from First Form. It is precisely formulated green superfood powder meant for overall immune system support and digestive health. It's really good. Aside from just getting the daily greens into your body that you need, and make sure, by the way, you're taking this with MCT because you have to take anything like this with MCT. 80% of your immune system is located in your gut and your digestive tract, right? So healthy digestion is essential for overall health and wellness, not to mention that most of your serotonin, I think 96% of your serotonin or 94% is made in your gut as well. So you're going to be in a better mood. You're going to feel better physically, and you're going to feel better mentally if you are taking these greens. OptiGreen 50 has 50 chosen ingredients, uh, effectively dosed. It's not necessarily how many ingredients there are, though, but it's, a, it's about the right amount of each. Taste and texture, no, like no other product in the market. It's not gritty. It doesn't have a weird flavor. It's got sweet berry flavors, actually. 100% uh, of the greens are all grown and manufactured inside the United States, and they are bioavailable. Now, they've got other products as well. They've got the Microfactor, which you see behind me on every show, uh, and I take them every day. You know, you got essential fatty acids, CoQ10. You got all the stuff you need in one little packet for your daily vitamin pack. And you mix that. You, you make yourself uh, uh, OptiGreens 50 shake, and you, and you take those pills with it, and you're going to improve your life precipitously. You're going to feel better. You're going to look better, so on and so forth. So go to firstform.com. That's 1-S-T-P-H-O-R-M.com forward slash citizen. Use the code you're going to get free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. This holiday season, if you're looking for a unique gift that inspires curiosity, travel, and culture, 
Give yourself the gift of Babbel. Babbel is a language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions. And thanks to Babbel's addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons, you'll finally be able to discover the wonder that comes with learning a new language. With Babbel, you only need 10 minutes a day to complete a lesson. So you can start having real-life conversations in a new language in as little as three weeks. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans. Babbel lessons were created by over 150 language experts and voiced by real native speakers, not computers. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective, and with Babbel, you can choose from up to 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Plus, Babbel speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and accent. There are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to the lessons, you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes. And it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. So start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash citizen. That's babbel.com slash citizen for up to 55% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. Like people's minds begin to break when they're forced, usually through their own, you know, obstinance and, and, and the circumstance surrounding them, but they force themselves to, you know, delude themselves actively on a regular basis mm. it breaks your mind like these people who still believe uh that masks work and shit like that you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i still see yeah. i was traveling yesterday i travel i travel i fly a lot i fly uh, a lot of places and i still see that stuff but it's almost just casual now because those people like right after all this nonsense ended those people still wearing masks was, were still walking around um uh, uh, with hand sanitizer and then staying away from people, hiding, turning their faces away from people. Now they're just wearing the fucking appliance. You know what I mean? Without, without any actual uh, uh, of the additional protection, or at least the the articulated protection measures that made that they thought made sense. It's just it's completely performative now. And the reason is because, as you said, or you alluded to before. Like, they think they're going to get judged by somebody if they don't do it. Like, oh, this is my crowd. My people wear masks, and I so I have to. That's just the way it is. Like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. What kind of no. sense does that make? Something either works or it doesn't. And that's the only reason I use that example. I don't give a fuck if people wear masks or not. Asian people have been wearing it to stop the spread of, uh, uh, what do you call it, respiratory viruses for fucking 25 years, right? That's It's nothing yeah. new. If you lived in, like, I lived in the Bay Area, it was really common to see people on public transportation around <laughs> with a mask on. It's not that big a deal. And I don't give a fuck if sure. people want to do that or not. The problem is when I see somebody that has it half down with their nose exposed and they're just like face-to-face talking to somebody that doesn't have a mask, I'm like, what? you're not doing anything. This is all performative, right? Your mind has become broken now. Right, right. And that, that's what happens it's- over time. If you, if you persist in other people's delusions and if you persist in participating in other people's delusions, like the gender fucking dysphoria shit it's nonsense that's a mental illness and needs to be treated as such but if you participate in that you use your pronouns and all this stupid shit it breaks your mind it breaks your mind's ability to think critically and to hold a standard and now you know when enough people uh uh uh, fall into that trap then you get joe biden elected or you get the the mere mere choice between trump and biden that's really the best we can do trump hillary biden these are the best people that we can find to run our country like seriously but that's where you get to right that's the old right the inevitable conclusion to this line of thinking that's what happens it's crazy i mean i talked to a buddy of mine who's a master chief in the navy and he's he 
he's been filling me in on how they are operating with the whole uh, delusion. You know, the you have to put your pronouns in your email address. He's like, I absolutely not. He's a Christian man. He's like, I won't do it. And uh, you know, they're they're at the point where they're threatening to uh, push them out of the military. These are guys that have been in twenty three to twenty five years and selfless service, and they're they're telling me you got to use pronouns. You have to you have to adapt. And they're using these terms that we used to use for overcoming obstacles and, and, and stressful situations to make them do something that goes against the very fabric of their, their moral compass. And, you know, when we give into these delusions, we create lower standards, the bar drops, and then everybody, you know, wonders why things are falling apart. And then what we do is instead of looking in where we blame external sources, like you say, back to what you talked about earlier, it's got to be Russia, it's got to be China, it's got to be everybody else outside of us, rather than looking in where we go, you know what, why are we allowing ourselves to go down this rabbit hole of low standards, uh, low morals, and, and people's inability to handle and manage any kind of stress or challenge that comes their way. And that's really, and our politics are the worst at it right now. Everybody is, is all about making people feel good and nobody wants to be uncomfortable. Nobody wants to face the harsh realities that we have to do the things that we typically don't want to do if we want to maintain the freedoms that we have because it's not guaranteed. So we have to be able to step up and go beyond this level of dysfunction and realize all the demonic nature of people's mental disorders should not be, you know, something that we uh, allow to just overtake mm. policy. We have to stop it in our tracks. I think it takes more than talk, though. We have people have to fire that first shot and be willing to step back up into the game and really, really push it. Yeah, I mean, it was a good. It was really good to see in the 20, uh, 2020 election in Loudoun County, Virginia, all mm. the parents get pissed off. Um, about the CRT shit that was, that was finding its way into their school, uh, doing the active work of, you know, tracing back the beginning of the CRT program directly to the governor, Terry McAuliffe, right? He was directly involved in that. His signature is on the paper, uh, doing that hard work, exposing this shit and standing up for what you believe in and then activating inside of the community because, you know, uh, uh, there's a reason McAuliffe lost in a, in a year where, Trump lost, right? So Biden won the election, allegedly. Probably not, but um, Trump, <laughs> Trump, Trump lost Virginia, right? But mm-hmm. a Republican mm-hmm. governor won that state. That tells you a lot about what happened in that state. And it's, it's, <clears throat> it is that you hold a standard out in public. If you, if you have courage, it will give other people courage. You know what I mean? Like we have this trope in the middle. Well, the infantry model is following me, right? Where the queen, right. where the queen of battle, follow me. That's the infantry motto. But you see these like historical tropes or memes or whatever you want to call it, uh, like planting the flag on Iwo Jima or or uh, I'm the 82nd Airborne and this is as far as the bastards are going. Shit like that, right? I mean, this is what mm-hmm. these are the stories we hear about combat or Henry V talking about Band of Brothers and all this shit. Like th- these are the stories in combat where, you know, it might seem like uh, Hollywood fluff to some people, but I've fucking been there. I've seen. Uh, acts of courage inspire people before in the most extreme situations that could possibly exist and it and it works yeah. it works there yeah. and it works here as well like the the more co- courage you show the more likely more people are are around you to show courage right yeah it's uh the courage of one is a majority and i think that's we have to get back to that one person with courage does create a ripple effect that gives people inspiration where they can step up too and i think that's the other thing is we get it, we see these people get into the public eye and i'm sure you've, see, you've seen in the military we have some of those leaders too when they get in those positions they they swear they're going to do right by the the people that elect them the people that are following them but then when it comes time to act and they're in the moment of pressure they actually give into this idea that 
I need to maintain my status with people. So I'm, I'm going to bend and flow, ebb and flow with wherever the winds take me rather than saying I, I'm willing to lose my job as a politician right now to stand for the morals, the standards and the values that made us great in the beginning that, that we are, we're talking about on the surface, but nobody's acting on. And I think that's the courage that we need to get back to. And we need more military guys that actually step up and really show people what that looks like. And I think, you know, it makes a good point. I was in uh, Iraq and one of the guys I served with, it was an E2 and helicopter, a Black Hawk crash hit a quad con. He went in there, pulled out the pilots. He pulled out the, uh, the uh, down crew chief and uh, made it out just in time. Uh, that it really inspired a lot of the other younger guys to see him willingly do that in that moment of chaos and made them step up. And I think we had so many different other options, opportunities for those guys to really become better versions of themselves because that one guy decided to risk his life to go save those pilots and that crew chief in that Black Hawk crash. So little things like that do matter. I think people don't give enough credence to it. And I think it has to be some big extravagant um, thing that, that inspires them. And it's little things every day, simply holding the door open for a woman or going outside and picking up the trash, even though it's not yours, or standing up to that bully or making sure that you, you vote uh, to your conscience rather than just adhering to everybody else's um, ideals. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It, it is the, the cumulative everyday of uh, acts of human beings that make the world there there are there are times and frequently but times mm -hmm. when there are large movements or large actions that that you know bend and shape society and things like that um but you know it starts with the small wins yeah i mean it starts it, with it, the small wins. It, it's yeah. how you it's it's what you do in this moment that fucking matters um and you know look we're the, we're, we're gonna fuck up i mean it's like I, I, I try to couch all of this, you know, grandiose shit in reality because otherwise it's a platitude. You're not going to be perfect all the time. You're going to be selfish sometimes because when you're scared or, or angry or hungry or whatever the fuck that, you know, selfishness is biology telling you to fix that problem. That's all it is, right? So fix the problem and then get back into the game. That's the solution. You can't... Uh, it's I, it, one of the phrases I like is, did you have a bad day or did you have a bad five minutes and you let it fuck up the rest of your day? Because that's your choice. You know what I mean? You get to decide how you're going to move on from that. Now, for me, I just yell fuck really loud and then carry on with what I was doing. doesn't work for everybody. You know, some people need more of an outlet, I suppose. But uh, that's what works for me. The little wins matter and, and they build up to the bigger ones. <laughs> but there are times when we need to really, as a, as a group, step up and, and, and bend the arc. But I think it's going to start getting back to the basics. I think we, we've lost track with it's same thing with, you know, weapons, marksmanship, the tactics. It's all about basics, fundamentals. And I, I really wish people would get back to the basics of being human, uh, decency, class, some decorum when it comes to society. I think we operate. We see too many people operating as individuals out in the world, walking around in public, driving a car. Everyone's in their own little bubble and nobody's aware that there are other people around you. So that when they stop in their tracks because they maybe made a decision that was improper for their exit or they need to turn down an aisle, they don't realize that you're right behind them or you're near them and they'll bump right into you. And I think that's uh, another part of the, the equation is uh, situational awareness and an ability to realize you're not alone in this. And that's what makes a society a society. Yeah, I think that's a good. So, you know, when I when I have one on ones with this or when I'm, you know, I'm writing a book citizen right now. I use mm. I like I do like to use like specific practical examples of how you do this shit. So I travel a lot. I'm on planes a lot. When I yeah. get when I get on the plane, I'm looking around to see who needs help. You know what I mean? It's because it's a yep. natural environment where people, a lot of people, will need help. 
uh, uh, ladies with, uh, you know, no upper body strength trying to lift right. a giant fucking suitcase over their head and put it up in the bin. That's not going to happen, right? Or they're going to crack somebody else in the head. So get up <laughs> off your ass and fix that problem for them. Now, right. not everybody travels a lot like that. Everybody, everybody does go in public. So the door thing you can figure out. Uh, everybody drives too. So good behavior in traffic. Like, what are you thinking about when you're driving around? Are you thinking about fuck these people get out of my way? Are, are you? Cause you shouldn't be like, I, I talk a lot of shit in traffic cause I think it's funny. Um, like I, <laughs> I, I, I like road, road rage for me is like a game. I just think I try to use it as a mental exercise to see if I can quickly come up with funny shit to say, but you know, <clears throat> do, are you using your most common activity opportunity as opportunities to, to train yourself on how to behave towards other people, right? I think going out into traffic, going out driving and thinking about, uh, you know, how can I, or, or, or tr just trying to reset the way your brain works. Like instead of these people are all in my way, say, oh, like, you know, how, am, I being, am I aware of everything that's going on around me? Does that person need to get over? What would I think if I was them in this situation and I'm sitting there fucking mm -hmm. flipping them off or whatever? because of whatever stupid reason it is and look we all do it traffic is probably the most common place where we do that aside from maybe twitter right um but yeah. not, not everybody's on twitter most people do drive so it's a good opportunity like find the things that are ubiquitous in your life mm -hmm. the things that you do the most and then start to train yourself there because it's that ordinary everyday effort that really makes the difference it is and going to the traffic piece first it's interesting is they did a study that talked about how when you people get into their car, they it's like their personalities change. It's interesting when we get in, into this weapon, if you will, and how people want to drive and traffic together. And over the years, after I got out of the military, 20, almost 20 years ago, I, I learned and realized that it's about getting into the flow with other people rather than creating more friction with other people. And then waking up to realize most of these people out here are truly not as aware of the situation they're in. So they're driving truly with tunnel vision and they might see their exit coming. They might need to get over really quickly. So I allow myself and I want other people to hear it too is give yourself permission to also not react to that because they're probably not doing anything to you on purpose. And I think we take a lot of things personal. Most people take it personally like that guy cut me off. I'm going to go after him rather than realizing he didn't even know you were there. And if you just get off your gas, back off a little, let them have whatever it is, it doesn't affect your life as much. It's not a stress you take on. I think people are, Dan, purposely taking on more stress than they need to in society. And that's causing more friction in their life. And then they don't know how to actually channel it or get rid of it. So they bring it home with them and then thereby birthing more problems. But the last piece to that is we have way too many, going back to your your, your flight, your travel uh, you know, acumen, you, you, constantly on a plane i see it time and time again we have people that are too many pointers and not enough doers mm. too many people that want to pull out their cell phone or want to laugh and watch people struggle rather than stepping up and just being a problem solver and actually supporting the flow of what's going on it's same thing with the plane when i travel if someone's struggling pick it up for them get it over because you're going to keep the flow of everyone getting on the flight much more efficient and then your flight's going to take off on time i don't think we have enough forethought in in public nowadays for people to realize that little moment you take out to help that lady with that bag makes a huge difference with everybody's experience on that flight. It's not just you going out of your way for a brief moment. Um, and I think I've seen it time and time again, the other day it was, um, 
I watched someone struggling in a busy uh, La Jolla uh, shopping center, busy trying to get her, her boxes up on her little uh, hand cart. No, everybody was watching her do it. Nobody was helping her out. She was struggling. I just walked out of FedEx, flipped it up for her. I was like, have a nice day. And it took two seconds to do that. She said thanks and she left. And as everybody else is just drinking their sodas on their cell phones, watching this woman struggle. And I think that's the problem is we need more problem solvers and less pointers. And my dad, he raised us to be problem solvers. If you see someone broken down the side of the road in the 80s, we'd stop off the side of the road. We'd make sure they were good. Hey, you need help changing your tire. This old lady needs help crossing the road. That person there is struggling with their bag. Just step up and do something because it will, you don't know who's going to be watching you and it will make a difference in, in other people's lives, even if you don't see the actual outcome of your efforts. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 Yeah, if, if if hurt people hurt people, what do people who have been healed do? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's a really important thing to think about, like what kind of world you want to live in. Um, and, and then, you know, the other point is <clears throat> we all, it, it seems like we've developed this uh, someone has to do something attitude in life. But it's like uh, you're somebody, you know, do something. <laughs> exactly. Like, Wait, somebody else will call nine one one. Why don't you call nine one one? Like I don't know I mean, what people see, are it. fucking waiting around for, man. You see a problem and you fix it, and it's right. Maybe it's just latchkey kids. Maybe that. Maybe we. Maybe that's where the breakdown was, where nobody was there all the all the time when you're super young, you know, telling you, hey, you, it's yes sir and no ma'am, and if somebody needs help, you help them. Those are really simple things to teach to a child. Now they go through their selfish phase because they're confused they're in pain they're sick they're they're angry and haven't learned how to control their emotions yet that is to be expected of a child it is not to be sure. expected of a fucking adult though and and it's not We're to be, it's not to be tolerated from an adult either and the only reason we've begun to tolerate it from adults is because we refuse to take responsibility for the way we've trained our children to behave that that's that, that is the only reason that this is happening right now and people are like oh i can't believe it I can't believe Gen Z doesn't have work ethic or doesn't care about the country. Like, what do you mean you can't believe it? You trained them. You, you're yeah. the one who trained them. If I have a shitty soldier, I went through EIB. All my guys got their shit. All my, my entire squad got an EIB. That's outstanding. And I, and I got some little dumb award for it. I didn't give a fuck about that. I wanted them to get their shit, right? Yeah. It, it, but, you know, if I had been a turd, I guess, I'd probably be embarrassed about that. I, I, right. as, as I should be. And the natural human inclination when they're embarrassed about something is just to fucking come up with an excuse or, 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 or ignore it entirely. Right. But right. embarrassment in the same way that pain tells you something's wrong with your body and hunger tells you that you need to eat embarrassment and shame tell you that you need to fucking fix something. Right. right. Something is wrong. Right. My internal uh, uh, principles are rejecting my behavior right now. That's what shame is. So exactly, you, you, it is on you to fix that shit. That's how it works. Yeah. We, I mean, the, I'm glad you brought that up because shame and even, uh, some level of discrimination, it's kind of, it's, we've gotten off the beaten path with that. We need more shame in society. We need to shame the fat body who is not putting in an effort to get themselves right, but that's going to blame the system and blame everybody else for their obesity and then try to normalize it. We need to shame the person who's acting like a complete jerk asshole in public. We need to shame ourselves to step up and actually stretch our capacity to become better, become more. And I'm really glad you said, it's interesting because what, like I think 10 to 14% of infantrymen actually get to wear their EIB and earn it. So the fact that your squad, your entire squad got their EIB uh, speaks volumes of your standards and how you operated with your men. It, It is amazing when you have leaders 
that are relentless in the pursuit of excellence and high standards, it rises everybody up to the occasion. And if someone in your squad screws up, it's a little bit of shame and a discipline transforms that. And I think we're, we're so much lacking that in society. Now, if you shame someone, you're a bigot, you're a jerk, you're an asshole, you're heartless. No, you need to shame that person. This fat, positive, you know, image thing that we've got going on is wrong. Obesity is not a good thing. We, we cannot allow people to sit there and think that this is normal and natural. Shaming someone is important for growth. Discipline is important for growth. Discrimination, not all discrimination is bad either. It's like owning a health food store and sitting there saying, hey, I got to hire the guy that smokes cigarettes because it's discrimination if I don't hire him simply because he has a bad habit. I'm sorry, where's the standard? Yeah. When do we step up and do that? We, I did that with my guys when I became a squad leader as a 60 mortar guy. It was like, it didn't matter if my, one of my guys was 10 years older than me. I didn't care. What mattered was you adhere to the standard as if the tree men, what, we, what we're doing matters. And I don't care if you don't know where your weapon is. You're going to find your weapon now and you're going to pay the price for it. And I'm going to shame you into it by tying 550 cord around you, making you walk around a certain way because I need you to remember these little details. Those little things matter with our discipline and our functionality as a team. Yeah. And we don't have that in society anymore. No, it's about social currency, right? Like what is the social right. currency? In, in a group of men who are getting ready to go to war, being dependable and competent that's your social currency nobody gives a right fuck there. about if you were a high school quarterback or whatever stupid nope. shit people say they don't care what your hair looks like they don't care what your skin looks like they don't give a fuck whose dick you're sucking or not they don't care about any of this shit they care if you are competent like are we going right. to live when we go to combat right uh, right look that's an extreme situation but it matters where we put our faith it matters where we put it, it, it matters what we consider to be social currency because this whole shame thing and uh, uh, victimhood, we, we, we took our shame and instead of using it as a motivator to become better, mm. we excused mm -hmm. our shame, we excused it away, or we accepted it as part of our identity. And then, of course, the natural progression for that is going to become to embrace victimhood. That's just how it works. Right. You have to. Yep. Like the, the, your, brain, your brain has yep. to do that if you make that leap, right? And right. So, you know, blame Gen Z all you want and pretend like we didn't fucking do this. But that's exactly what happened is we we allowed them because of our weakness to develop, you know, a micro society that turned into a macro society where victimhood was preferred over using shame or whatever it is to push yourself forward. And, and that's on us. Right. It's a byproduct of our actions. It's a lagging principle. I mean, you, it's the same thing with the economy. Nothing happens in the moment, black and white, as it, you know, when you make decisions, there's a lag with it. And when it comes to generations, baby boomers and us Gen Xers, and then of course the millennials and the Gen Zers, this is all the byproduct of lack of action back 10, 20, 30 years ago, and an inability to actually hold these people as they, they grew up into a higher standard and allowing them just to do and be and say whatever they want, because, hey, that's freedom. Yeah, well, freedom uh, comes with a price, and the price is responsibility. <coughs> um, it is. Otherwise, that freedom that you think you Excuse have me. will be weaponized against you. It will be taken control of, and you'll wake up not in a republic, but in a quote-unquote democracy, whatever the fuck that means, right? Right, um, majority look, rule. Yeah, yeah, that kind of a thing. Um, yeah, I, let's, let's say what it is. It's mob rule, not majority mob rule. Mob rule. Um, and that, and the next step from that is, you know, the, the thing that everybody's fearing the most is the, the, the whole communism, socialism aspect. That's what happens. You know, instead of realizing that, uh, that if freedoms are, they come in, I think freedom happens in proper containment. Same thing I do even with the clients I work with, these 
prominent folks that have all the success from the monetary standpoint and in material possessions and the notoriety, but they're not, they don't feel free. They don't feel fulfilled. They don't feel happy and satisfied with what they've done for 30 years. It's because they are uncontained. And I think when people think freedom, they think freedom means having whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want it. That's, that's anarchy. That's chaos. We need proper containment. It's why we have a constitution. It creates parameters for us to operate in. And when we are contained properly, with the responsibilities and accountability, freedom ex is accentuated and, and peace and tranquility can transpire from that point. Yeah. But I think that's, we've lost our way with that as well. Yeah, hundred percent. If you don't, like, if you ask yourself this question, what's my North star? If I, if I, right. <clears throat> regardless of what the facts of a particular situation are, what question can I ask myself to make sure that I'm personally on the right path that I that, that supports my beliefs, my faith, whatever whatever it is to you that you're, mm -hmm. you're worried about. Mm -hmm. Like, do you is there a question that you can ask yourself? A very rudimentary question, and this is what we do. And you 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 can talk about this too, but this is what we do in business uh, when we come up with a mission statement. For when I was the VP of Market at Black Rifle Coffee, I've said this before, but we came up with a mission statement. We serve coffee and culture to people that love America. <clears throat> Every employee, from the CEO all the way down to the lowest level employee can ask themselves that question do does is what i'm doing for, with this company right now support that mission if it doesn't i'm wrong right the end right so what right. what is your mission statement as a human being uh you know and look i'm not going to tell you what it should be you got to figure that out for yourself because you know we certainly we should all be working for uh each other we should be tr we should be trying to serve each other there's no question about that but we all have different skills talents and gifts to be able to do that in different ways. So don't, you know, narrow yourself down. Like uh, for me, it's just serving people, finding a way to help people. That's all I care about. But uh, you know, it's not going to be the same for everybody again, but you should be able to, if you can, if you, if you're listening to the sound of my voice right now and you're asking yourself that question and you don't immediately think of a specific answer, you're fucking wrong. You got it. You have mm -hmm. to, you have to have a North star. Otherwise you're just walking in circles. Right. And they, that the other thing in mission statement is a good, it's waking up in the morning and going, are the actions that I'm taking creating impact in other people's lives? Mm. Is what it is that I'm focusing on about me or is it about others? And I, again, military is that way. I, I understand Black Rifles, the you know, community aspect of that as well. Um, but the reality is I think people, they get up in the morning and they go, ah, how can I satiate myself today? How can I satisfy what it is that I want to do today? Rather than going, you know what, what is it I want to accomplish that actually supports others? And it, it comes back to even the, the not even the work that I do, but just being a human being. Uh, I, I care deeply about people not struggling and not being affected by their personal demons. And if I come in contact with them, I realize it's an opportunity for me to do something, even if it's small, to actually create change or transformation in their life. And, and it, it's, it's quite fascinating um, how much that actually creates more for my life without me realizing that I'm doing it. And, and I, I don't know how to do anything else the same way. It's, it's military is a big component to it. I, uh, I miss it because I miss that everybody's in it for that very reason. And now we're out in the civilian world teaching other people how to operate that way. Um, I think we've also, Dan, the other thing, and you could probably speak to this as well, is we've become too transactional in business. We've become too transactional in life. In general, we have forgotten the value of real relationship dynamics and connection. So people interact with each other as what's in it for me. How can I get something from this person rather than going, you know, what can I do to optimize this person's life in this moment because I'm in this relationship with them, even if it's for a short period of time. 
and not worried about how that's going to benefit you or me or that person and trusting that in some way, shape or form, it's going to fulfill you some way, shape or form it's going to bring something back to you. And I think it's almost that that piece of the puzzle where people have got to get back to relationship dynamics and valuing connections like you and I talking right now, I value regardless of what comes from this. I'm just happy we get to have the conversation. I think that's the other piece that we're missing too, is getting rid of the transactional nature of human relationships and getting back into what relationship really means and looks like and what kind of standards we have for each other. And if we serve one another, like the military, the battle, the buddy to the left and right of you, the mission gets accomplished more effectively. Yeah. 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 I agree. Um, so before we get out of here, you're, uh, you write, you do business coaching. Um, yeah, I got a show. Tell me about all that. So I write when my, you talking about the work that I do specifically. Mm -hmm. Yep. So the, yeah, well, the last, uh, <laughs> before the pandemic, I was behind the scenes. I didn't have social media. I didn't have a, a website. I didn't need any of that. I've been, been behind the scenes working with CEOs, public figures, uh, leaders, uh, uh, celebrities and professional athletes, all word of mouth referral based. The work that I do is transcends coaching. So the dynamic in the nature and how I operate has nothing to do with sitting down and creating gold lists for, for, you know, these prominent people asking them what they want to create, what they want next. It really is about unfucking their lives. It's about getting into the trenches with them and battling through those demons that limit their capacity and their potential to experience real peace and real satisfaction with the successes they're capable of creating from their achievement skill sets and their mindset. A lot of people that climb these ladders of success that we see in the public eye, if you pull the curtain back, man, it's their lives are not what you think they are. They are not as optimal as they portray themselves to be on social media. They portray themselves in the movies or on TV. But the problem is these people are very, I would say, prominent when it comes to their capacity to achieve. So they need something radical and outside the typical norm of coaching or programmatic approach to business and life to really redirect their focus and push them into new unknowns that challenge who they are, challenge what they know, and really to expose those deeper blind spots they would rather sweep under the rug and hide from everybody. And it only, it, the only way that happens is you have somebody that's in the trenches, in their life with them, who's willing to rip open you know, the wound and actually go, go where places where they, you know, their therapists or their coaches wouldn't want to go. So the work that I've been doing is really intimate. It's one-on-one. -on -one. I only work with two to three people a year very high level. These people call me only when they're in a position where unfortunately life is chaotic and they, they, they're at their wits end, they're burnt out, and they're finally ready to actually experience uh, what it means to be unfucked. And I live with them. I travel with them. I'm in their, their life by their sides, basically like a battle buddy who gets in the, into those, like I said, proverbial trenches. And I really challenge them in a way uh, as life is happening to you. I think that's the other piece we're missing is people you know, have problems. And what they do is they experience the problem and then five days later they'll go sit down with their therapist and they're only going to give their therapist 20 percent of the impact that that problem had on their life so they're not going to get the full solutions that they're looking for rather than having someone goes right as life is happening right as shit is hitting the fan you're right there with them to go this is exactly how we're going to redirect everything and put you in the position to face whatever it is that's coming up right now so we can eradicate that and the experience is the acceleration of more of what they want to create and more of that experience that they're looking for as leaders as public figures as prominent folks that are out in the world trying to to, to make change 
And for me, I, it's unacceptable to watch someone stand on a stage and tell someone how to have a great life, but yet behind the curtain, they're suffering from cancer. Uh, their lives are falling apart. Their wives hate them. Their children don't respect them. Their health is deteriorating, but they're going to tell people this is what it means to be successful. And for me, that's, uh, that's what drives my mission is to get into those fights with those people and make them better versions of them as humans. It's not about making more money. Mm -hmm. It's not about becoming more popular. It's about that human being being optimal because if you're going to be a leader, that's what it takes. And then there's a show as well, right? Uh, a podcast? Yes. Yeah, I created uh, Wise Words and Whiskey with Wiley McGraw. It's uh, five five plus years. People are like, hey, look, you're a, kind of a whiskey guy. You know, you have great conversations. Let's, let's create something a little bit more of a softer side of you, more funner side of your personality that because your work is so intense. And I decided, all right, I'll give it a shot. So we've been doing it since October. Sweet. And how's that going? Not too shabby. I uh, took a little bit of a hiatus. I had uh, a death in the family, so it kind of pushed me back a little bit. been taking care of uh, some folks there, but I'm getting back into it next month. And uh, I've got some really cool guests in the lineup. Uh, people like potentially uh, General Petraeus. I've got some pro baseball players coming on the show and some other folks that are their interests have these conversations. But it's really all about low-key conversations, sipping some high-quality whiskey and just going into the trenches and going to places where your typical podcast doesn't go. Sweet. Well, look, yeah. man, uh, that's all great to hear. You guys go check out uh, the podcast. Go check out is if you need business coaching or, or I guess it's, you know, not just business coaching. It's life it's, overhaul. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, if yeah. you're interested in that sort of thing, give him a follow on Twitter. It's a good Twitter follow uh, and check out all of his work. Uh, look, thanks for coming today. I really appreciate the conversation. Yeah, brother. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Anytime. And uh, thank you all for listening. This has been Citizen. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.